It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets got their road trip kicked off on Saturday night playing in Seattle, Washington for the first time against the Kraken. And the Blue Jackets had the same result as the first time they ever played the Kraken, which was back on the second game of the season at Nationwide Arena. The Blue Jackets had to go to overtime to win the game, but they did it. 5-4 to four was the final score. Now, was there frustration in that win? Yeah, there was frustration because the Blue Jackets at one point had a 4-1 to one lead going into the third period, and all of a sudden the Kraken came storming back. Yeah, we've seen that story play itself out before, right? And I was upset about it when it happened, but as it all turned out, the Blue Jackets got it done. They got both points, and now they move on to Vancouver, where they will play tomorrow night against the Canucks. So I've got your questions that I'm going to answer, but first of all, I'm going to tell you about the fine folks over at Telhio Credit Union. They have been with this program for a long, long time. They have been very solid. They've been good. They've been dedicated. They have been there. And that's exactly the same thing they do in serving the community. And they've done that for a long time. They have been there. They've been consistent. They can help you with your financial needs. Want to find out what kind of services they provide? Just go online to their website at tellhio.org. Maybe it's something as easy as a checking account for you. Maybe it's something as complex as a business loan for your business. That Either of those things and anything in between. You can find what you're looking for by going to tellhio.org. And the biggest question that you might have, and it's logical, why should I join a credit union as opposed to being with a regular bank? The answer to that question is there. Maybe there are a lot of answers to that because as you search around and you find out all the different perks, they might all come together in one big answer. Click online and find out at tellhio.org. Tellhio Credit Union is available to everyone in central and southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, it's time to get to your questions this week. You can send them to me, as always, via Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports, or you can record a voice memo on your phone or a video on your phone if you want to do that, and you can email it to me, Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C, at bluejackets.com. That's what Lauren has done, and the ladies get to kick things off once again this week on the Monday Mailbag Edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Hey, Bobby Mack, it's Lauren from Florida. First, I'd like to know your thoughts on the Blue Jackets kind of getting these big leads recently in games and then um, losing those leads and winding up in overtime or even losing the game and you know, what they need to do to fix that, and do you contribute these high-scoring games just to the fact that it's still kind of early in the season and maybe, like you've said in the past, the goaltending and the defense isn't really where it will be as we go on later through the year. And then my other question is you always like to rate cities, so I'd love to know what you thought of Seattle and maybe um, a favorite thing that you did or favorite memory that you had with the team or with your colleagues. So uh, anyways, looking forward to your answers on that and have a great Monday. Well, Lauren, thank you very much. I'm going to answer your questions in reverse order because I want to start with the city of Seattle. I don't know if you listened to the CBJ and 30 I did last Friday with Allison Lucan, but I mentioned during that that I have not been in, I had not, I can't say have not, that's, that's the wrong tense now. 
I had not been in Seattle since 1990. Yeah, I know some of you weren't born. I get it. I know. I don't want to know, but I know. Okay, it's one of those things. So I hadn't been there in a long, long time. And going back there was really refreshing in many ways. I said this uh, during the broadcast. I said it. Uh, I don't. I said it the whole time we were there. I think it was just different for everybody. It wasn't the same old stop along the trail. It was something new. It was something different. It's a brand new city. It's a brand new arena. It's a brand new team. It's a brand new set of experiences for everybody. And I think that that really worked out in the Blue Jackets' favor. The arena was great. It was fantastic. Uh, Just the little amenities for the players. I'm just talking about for the players. Being down in the dressing room area was so cool. If you didn't see some of the tweets that I put out on Friday and Saturday, go back and look at my Twitter account, at Bobby Mac Sports, and look at the walk from the dressing room to the bench where it's all lit up with, you know, neon lights and all that stuff. And it, it's like you're walking into the future, for crying out loud. So it was great. I, I, I loved everything about it. I've told you before, I rate hotels, or I, I'm sorry, I rate cities by the hotels, the restaurants, and the rink. And it was star, star, star for all of them. Uh, the, the hotel was right next to the market, uh, the Pike Place Fish Market and the Farmer's Market there. I love Farmer's Markets. I can go to the North Market in downtown Columbus. I could go there every day. Every single day I could go there for lunch, grab something to eat. I could go and look at all the, the different um, shops that there are, all the different uh vendors that's the word i'm looking for all the different vendors that are there i love that i love to do that if you've never done that in downtown columbus during the week you you are really robbing yourself i think it's a great experience it is fantastic when you go to the pike place market it is that on steroids it is much bigger it's three levels it's a lot of places that have been there for a long long time there are some really strange I guess for lack of a better word some strange stores I went by a store it was called uh, I think it was called the little car store or little car sales or something like that and what they sold was matchbox cars um, you know different model cars what drew me to it what I saw before I looked at the the at the uh, name of the store they had it was a big window and they had all these cars in there and one that was very prominent which was right in front of me when I walked down the stairs and saw this place was the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard, and I absolutely loved that show when I was growing up. I it was Friday nights. I could not wait to be sitting in front of the TV and watch Bo and Luke Duke get chased around by Sheriff Frosco P. Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, uh, that wasn't my best. I, I've done better on that one. That one was kind of fell a little bit flat, but um, and Boss Hog and all that. So I love that. So I saw that car. And that's what drew me to the store. And then I looked, and then they had a bunch of um, they had a bunch of matchbox cars in there and little models. And you know something else that they had? I know I'm going on a tangent, but the question gets asked. I can talk about whatever I want to, right? It's my show. It's your show, but I'm doing it, so here you go. Um, they had in a display case a little uh, a tractor, a little International Harvester tractor with a wagon that attaches to it. It's bigger than a matchbox car, but not as big as like a Tonka truck. It's kind of in the middle there. And a wagon that attaches to it. And I remembered when I was a kid, when I was young, I had that very same tractor and wagon set. It used to be at my great-grandparents' cottage 
That's the only place that it was. It wasn't at my grandmother's house. It was at the cottage, and I only got to see it and play with it during the summertime. And uh, and when I saw that, it just it brought back a whole flow of memories. You know, uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I assume that it has. Where you go into a store like that, you'll see something and. It'll bring back all of these things. Unfortunately for me, it's now a store like that, or it's an antique store. That's where I get all those old memories coming back. Um, there was a record shop in there I went to, and I was looking through albums, and it was great. Uh, I didn't get any because I was, I was afraid to bring them all the way back across the country uh, undamaged. But there, I love that place. I love it. I've gone on for so long now about the market in Seattle that you're probably tired of me talking about it. But it was that good. And you're right there on the water. You can walk down by the waterfront. Uh, the first day we were there, I took a long walk down to uh, the Seahawks Stadium and down to where the Seattle Mariners play. And it was wonderful. It was absolutely positively wonderful. I saw a lot of Blue Jackets people out there. I saw a lot of Blue Jackets jerseys in the stands. And I will tell you this right now. If you have an opportunity to go watch the Blue Jackets and the Kraken in the future, take the opportunity. I think you will enjoy it very very much now to get to your original question which is about blowing leads and it's a good question it's a fair question and you're not the only one that had the question before i answer it mark carell the second on twitter says to me i think i'm done with the youth being the reason for terrible road play why do three goal periods and two goals in less than a minute happen seemingly every road game against this team Okay, seemingly is the key word there, Mark. It's not all of the time, but it seems like all the time because it happened in Toronto. Now it happens a couple of days later in Seattle. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It shouldn't happen, okay? It shouldn't happen. Youth is to blame for some of that. Veterans making mistakes is to blame for some of that. But I will tell you one thing about the game in Seattle. I'll tell you this, Mark, and I'll tell you this, Laura, or Laura, Lauren, because you asked the question. Here's the deal. This schedule is brutal. This is not saying, this is not to be said as an excuse. This is a fact. This schedule is brutal. I was exhausted when we got to Seattle. We played on Thursday night at home, and what did I do? I sat in the press box and watched the game and talked. I didn't play. I didn't put out any effort like they did. I wasn't out there, you know, getting hit. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. The players were. Then we got on a plane and we flew all the way across the country, and I mean all the way across the country, to Seattle, Washington. And we got in at 5 o'clock in the morning Columbus time. I don't care what the time says on the clock. Your body says it's this time. I was up at 7.30 in the morning, and – it was 10.30 in the morning, according to my body. And I normally get up around 8 o'clock at home. So I was, I guess when you look at it, I slept in, but I didn't sleep in because I didn't get any rest. And the players are the same way. Players are like that too. So, you know, you can you can bash them all you want, but there is a human element there too. And that's a lot to ask. And just look where this team has been lately. Jody Shelley said this to me in the press box on Saturday night. He said, do you believe that it was only a week ago we were in Washington? Doesn't it feel like a month ago? Yes. Yes, it does. When you're going through this, yes, it does. Just think. Two weeks ago, we left Columbus after a game against Vancouver 
and went to St. Louis and then went to Nashville, then to Dallas, then to Washington, then came home and played San Jose in a back-to-back, then had not even a day off, had a day with no game, but had to leave that afternoon to go to Toronto, played in Toronto, went back home, had a day off. Now you're so far behind it doesn't even feel like a day off. Then played Anaheim, then got on a plane and went all the way across the country. It, it's a lot. It really is a lot. So for the Seattle game, for the Seattle game only right now is what I'm talking about, there's a built-in excuse for that one because the travel has been brutal. Now, after the game Saturday night, the guys had yesterday off. They have a practice day today, play tomorrow night against Vancouver. So now they will be more acclimated. But they were not acclimated when they got to Seattle. Say what you want. You get in at 2 in the morning, which is 5 in the morning, and then you have a practice at 1 o'clock in the afternoon after you played a game the night before and then took a red eye. It's not as easy as it seems to be. Now, again, overall, you can't keep having those breakdowns. You can't keep letting all that stuff happen. I get it. I understand. I'm with you. But for this one night only, I've got to step up and defend the players because I was dead tired. I'm still tired, and I haven't done a thing. They're the ones doing all the work. So I'll just ask you this one time. Cut them a little bit of slack when it comes to what they did in Seattle. Hey, they were able to build the four-goal or the three-goal lead. They were able to get four, and then they let it go. There were some guys really struggling in that game, too. There were guys that are normally shorthanded that were giving pucks away like crazy, and I get it. I understand. I understand the fatigue factor. So I will probably not ask this again of you, but cut them a little bit of slack for that one game. And now, and and look, they started the trip with a win, which is way better than the last trip, is it not? Oh, yeah. So cut them a little bit of slack on that. And uh, if it happens again, outside of these parameters and circumstances, you know that I'll be the first one there to agree with you and and take a different approach on this. But for this one, I'm just saying, let's, let's just keep in mind what this team is going through right now. All right, time for our next question. Bobby Mack, hey, this is Fennec in UA. Uh, I made it to my first two home games this week. It's great to see Nationwide starting to get back to normal. Great to have hockey back. Great to have you back. And you know what? It's even good to have Bakes and Cameron back. So I had a question about the game on Saturday night against Seattle. Uh, There was a play where the Seattle player was attempting a wraparound, and Elvis was going from one side to the other, but... Jake Bean had a great play, beat him there, and blocked the shot. Now, I was just curious about the scoring on a play like that. Now, is it possible for a defensive player like Jake Bean to get credited with a save on a shot like that? Or does that just get counted as a blocked shot? And if it is credited as a blocked shot, does the Seattle player not even get credited with a shot on goal? Even though he was, even though the puck was headed right towards the net and stopped inches short, so just kind of curious about the uh, scoring on how that works in the book. Thanks for all you do. Take care. Go Jackets. All right, this is a good question. Let's break this down. Player is trying to wrap around. He's coming around the goaltender. You're saying, and I, I don't know if this was the Marcus Johansson one that you're talking about, but Elvis got 
his pad on that one. So that should count and did count as a shot on goal. So maybe it was another one. But you're trying to wrap around, and the defenseman gets there and blocks the shot, and the goalie, if the goalie has nothing to do with it, first of all, a player does not get credited with a save. Only the goalie can be credited with a save. The player is not going to be credited with a save. So the player would be credited with a blocked shot in that case. And to further answer your question, and the way that you put it, and I'm listening to it, and I, I thought, well, I think you're answering the question yourself, to be honest with you, Fennec, because you're saying, does the player get credit for a shot on goal even though it didn't get to the goal and it came inches short? Well, if it didn't get there, and I know what you mean. You're, you're saying it was going to go in, but it was going to go in until it got blocked by the defenseman. So then it wasn't going to go in, but it's not a shot on goal for, you know, it's not a save for the player. And I don't believe it's a shot on goal. It should just be a, a block shot because it never even got there. Didn't get all the way there. So I hope that that clears it up for you. I, I think it should clear it up for you. And I think I should be right. And if I'm not right, and this is a tricky one, I'll, I'll give you this. This is a great question. I'm going through it over and over in my mind, and I'm going, no, I think this, this, that. So if I'm wrong on it, somebody will tell me I'm wrong. I'm very sure of that. You guys are really good at that, and I'm not saying that to rip on you because I should be held accountable, of course. Um, but I think that's how it is. I think it's a block shot, and I don't think it's a shot on goal for the player. And if I'm wrong on that, then somebody let me know, and we'll get it corrected. But I believe that's the way it is. That's the way it should be. I know a player doesn't get credited with a save. Even when he makes a save, even if the defenseman's standing in the goal crease and kicks a puck away or punches it away or whatever he does, it's the saves go to the goalies and not to the players. That I know for sure. All right, let's go back to Twitter. Bobby Mac Sports on Twitter is where you can find me and where you can ask your questions. And Nathan Aaron has a pretty good question here, and it says, after Brad Larson promised not to waste Igor Chinikov's development time on the bench, why has he been a healthy scratch for the past four games, especially when other guys are underperforming? Why isn't Brad Larson being asked these questions and being held accountable by the media as John Tortorella was? I don't know if John Tortorella really was asked this question specifically. Was he, Nathan? Was he? By the local Columbus media, was he? Here's the thing. This is how I feel. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is how I feel. We all know what's happening here. We, there's no need for me to ask Brad Larson. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to stop what I'm saying. I was going to say there's no need for me to ask Brad Larson this question, but in all honesty, maybe there is. And maybe I should, and maybe I will before the Vancouver game. But here's the thing. I can go in so many different directions on this. Uh, Chinikov got taken out of the lineup and the Blue Jackets, they have not won every game since he's been out, but they have been competitive. They are getting the puck to the net. And, uh, so that's why he's not in there. And I know somebody wants to scream at me and say, why doesn't Gus Nyquist come out and Igor Chinikov go in? And that would be one of the dumbest questions you could ask me quite honestly. And what do I mean by that? Listen, Gus is a veteran player. I think once you get to a, a veteran status, and John Tortorella used to say this, used to say this, you earn credit with the coach. Gus Nyquist has, learned, has earned a lot of credit with this coach over the years. Even though he hasn't been the head coach, he's been here. He sees what Gus can do. 
He made him a part of the leadership group, made him an alternate captain. That was not by accident. He values what Gus Nyquist brings to the table. Gus is struggling right now. Let's just be honest about it. He's struggling, no question. But Chinikov, when he was in there the last couple of games, he had made some egregious turnovers, and he had had he was fighting some battles. He was struggling. It's okay to take him out. And so right now, here's the way I look at it. And this is why I say we already know. I already know. If if Chinikov is going back into the lineup, or if Benstrom is going back into the lineup, then somebody's got to come out. And I know in my heart of hearts that two of the guys that are right at the top of the list are Justin Danforth and Gregory Hoffman. Say what you want to about veteran guys that are slumping. Let's be honest. How often do those guys get taken out of the lineup and not given a chance to play through their struggles? Because they've earned that chance because they've been in the league for years. You can like it. You can not like it. I don't care. I'm telling you what is true. You know it's true. That's probably why you hate it, because you know it's true. There are days I would like to see veteran guys get taken out of the lineup because they've been struggling and they haven't been producing. But at any given moment, that veteran guy who's played in the league for a long time can turn it around just like that. And I think it's important to give them that opportunity. So if I break it down for you that way, there are two guys that could come out of this lineup. And I say that with the fact that Jack Roslovic was a healthy scratch in Washington a little over a week ago. Okay, so don't forget that. It can happen. It has happened. But if you come down to say it's got to be Hoffman or Danforth, those are the two guys that are on the bubble. Explain to me which one of those guys you want to take out of the lineup right now. Because I don't want to take either one of them out. I, I thought Hoffman was good. I, I thought I think he looks really good skating, or he did in, in Seattle in the first period especially, skating with uh, Jenner and Bjorkstrand. And I ran into him in the hotel. We got to Vancouver yesterday, and he was in the lobby. He was waiting for the elevator, and, and I was talking to him. And don't get me wrong, I haven't had a lot of long conversations with Gregory Hoffman so far this year. But he was just standing there, and I said, hey, man, I thought you played well last night. I thought you showed up. And he said, yeah. He said, I'm really starting to feel good now. I'm really starting to get used to the NHL, the way the game is played, the size of the rink, everything. And he looked at me and he said, I'm getting chances. Now I've just got to finish. And again, he's a 28-year-old guy. He's played in Europe for a long time. He understands it. He gets it. And he is showing up. So am I going to take out a guy that's showing up? I'm not. Justin Danforth, he's buzzing around everywhere. He's taking defensive zone faceoffs. He's hitting people. Am I going to take him out when I've got nobody else that's really doing that consistently? No, I'm not. Not at all. So Chinikov winds up being in a bad spot. And why is he in that spot? Because he made mistakes, and he made mistakes at the wrong time, and other guys now are outperforming. That's a fact of life. Listen, when we get back to Columbus, if Chinikov winds up going back to Cleveland, it won't surprise me, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I've said this on this show a million times. I've said, I, I vividly recall saying, do Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov have to be in Cleveland because the Blue Jackets are a development team? 
They're not necessarily a playoff team. I said that way back at the beginning of the year. And I stand by my feelings that he could develop here. But, but, if he's not going to play here, he needs to go somewhere and play. And that somewhere would be with the Cleveland Monsters. And maybe you're listening to me say all this and you go, okay, yeah, I agree with you. So why isn't he there? Because we're on a West Coast trip. Same reason Emil Bemstrom's here. You need to have extra guys. If something happens and a guy goes down, two guys go down, rather than have to – and we're in Canada now. This is even worse. To go get somebody from Cleveland and get them to Canada to be able to play a game, it's not easy. It's not easy during regular times. It's certainly not easy during the times we're living in right now. So you take extra guys, and that's what they've done here. They've taken extra guys. So we'll see what happens with Chinikov when we get back to Columbus. We'll see if he plays before then. But as of right now, as the saying goes, it is what it is. He had opportunities. He started to falter. Other guys stepped up well enough to stay in there, and that's why he is still on the outside looking in. And you're not going to send him out during a West Coast trip because you need the bodies to be around just in case. The next question on Twitter comes from Jody, who says, when will the defense help out our goalie? Too many goals going in. Well, yeah, that's true. But again, look, Adam Boquist was out. Uh, You're kind of makeshifting the defense. Got Gavin Bayreuther back in there. And this is just the way this team's going to play. This isn't the John Tortorella pack it in in front of the goalie and block as many shots as you can. They'll block shots, but the focus is different. Wierenski is up on the play a lot. Um, Boquist, when he's healthy, is up on the play a lot. Andrew Peake has been all over the place. I haven't minded it. I, I, I've liked his decision-making and his reads and all of that. So it's just a different team. I believe I also said this at the beginning of the year. Maybe instead of 2-1, to 3-1 to one wins, the wins are going to be 5-4, to four, and that's what it was in Seattle. That's okay. That's okay. As long as you have more goals than they have at the end of the day. And, oh, by the way, Elvis was really good in Seattle, really good especially in the first period when his teammates couldn't even get a shot on goal the other way. He was making big stops, and that's part of the job. That's the biggest part of the job, as a matter of fact. So let him do his job. Let him play well and score more goals than the other team. That's what I say. You're just so used to seeing for six years you saw a certain style and you saw certain players, and now some of those players are gone, and the style is changing. And it's okay. It's okay to win 5-4. to four. It's okay to win 6-5. to five. Just win. Just find a way to win. Maddie says, do you have any thoughts on the Zegras-Milano goal and maybe John Tortorella's take on it not being good for the game? All right, so that goal happened in Buffalo before the Anaheim Ducks came to Columbus. Uh, If you missed it, you can go and you can look for it online. I know that millions have watched it. Uh, Trevor Segris behind the net, takes the puck, flips it up over the net as it's falling down in front. Sonny Milano bats it home for a goal. It's a a heads-up play. It's a great skill play. It is a very fun play to watch. No doubt about it. Do you teach it? No, you don't teach it, in my opinion. But you do it. You can do it. So John Tortorella was on an ESPN Plus broad, um, broadcast, sorry, 
and he was asked about it. And to paraphrase Torts, he said he doesn't think it's good for the game. Now, in all honesty, here's what gets lost. He said it was very exciting. He said that it showed a lot of skill. He said that he knows it's reaching some people that the NHL is trying to reach. But he also said you're reaching out to new fans and you're losing some other fans. And look, listen, listen. I started doing this game at a time where, as Torts said, if you were making that play behind the net, you would probably get steamrolled. You would get run over. Even if you completed that pass, the next time you went out there, you would get steamrolled. And there are some people, and I read an article in The Athletic. I'm not even going to say the author's name because I don't want to give him any credibility. No, no credibility is not the word. That's I'm sorry. That's I misspoke. I don't want to give him uh, – I don't want anybody going to read his stuff right now. Just be honest with you. Because he tried to take the whole thing and spin it, and he called Torts a dinosaur. First of all, you know John Tortorella I consider a friend. All right? He's not here anymore, but I still consider him a friend. I still understand his views on the game. Do I want to see that guy get rocked after making that pass? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But it's not to take away the skill of the game. I think that there still should be some brawn as well as the skill in the game. Am I a dinosaur? Maybe I am. Maybe I am, and I don't feel ashamed to say it. But hockey has lost that edge. But I'm going to tell you something else about the Zegers kid. If you were at the game on Thursday night, if you were watching the game on Thursday night, if you were listening to the game on Thursday night, you know that in the shootout, after he scored a goal, there was a kerfuffle near the benches. And then when Jake Voracek scored his shootout goal, he went right to the Anaheim bench and said something. Anyway, even when the game was over, there were a lot of players on the ice and uh, they were having words, okay? Um, here's the deal. That started because, from what, I've, from what I know, uh, Zegris, and from what I saw, I can't hear it, but from what I saw, Zegris started chirping the Blue Jackets bench after he scored a shootout goal. And then Voracek responded in kind. Now, I have nothing, I have no problem with that. Because I don't like this everybody is friends. I like there to be enemies in the game. I do. And I know Torts felt like do felt like that too. He would always say there's not enough hate in the game. This is a game of hate. I'm sorry. You don't have to fight five times a night anymore like you used to. But how about finish your check? How about when a guy, you know, is running his mouth, you run him over? Is is there a problem with that? I mean, if you do it legally within the rules and you're not trying to really hurt them you're just trying to send a message by doing what is within the rules is that a terrible thing I love the skill plays I can't wait I can't wait until Kent Johnson gets here and he starts with the the uh the the skills that he has offensively I can't wait for that but if he does it to somebody and they don't like it and they run him over that's part of the game too in my opinion okay I'm not saying to get rid of the skill by just having guys that can't skate and they can't play. They just want to fight all the time. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to go back to that. But there's a balance. And sometimes there is no balance. Sometimes it's all one way and not the other way. And I just think there needs to be a balance. That's what I think about it. Am I a dinosaur? Maybe I am. Maybe my views are dinosaurish. I don't even know if that's a word. But when I came up, 
and I came through the East Coast Hockey League, and I came through the American Hockey League, and I got to the National Hockey League, it was different. It's changed. It's changed a lot. It's changed for the better, of course. But that doesn't mean all of that stuff was bad. doesn't mean everybody should love everybody in the game. I saw a thing on Twitter yesterday where Alex Ovechkin was saying that he could text Sidney Crosby and ask him for advice, and it's great. And I thought, here's what I thought. I This is honestly what I thought. I thought, well, I know that's true, and that makes a lot of sense, but I didn't want to know that because I like it better if I think those two guys hate each other. It's just a, a bigger element of the game. So, again, I, I don't know. Torts and I see eye to eye on so many things, so maybe you think that that I'm a dinosaur like him. But I think he's got a point. And he didn't say it should never. it's a play that should never happen again. He said he would talk to the player about it. But, again, in his day, you make that play, you're going to get destroyed on your next shift. That doesn't happen so much now. But I'll tell you what, if you keep running your mouth, it's going to happen. You put those two things together, and you're going to make those plays. Yes, they're very skilled and all that stuff. But then if you're going to run your mouth after it, then that's going to happen. Simple as that, my opinion. Simple as that, in my opinion. Oh, i got to call Torts. I'll call Torts when I get the reaction to this and see how it matches up. I'm sure, he, I'm sure, I'm sure he would love to hear that I'm still defending him to this day. I, I'm only defending him because I, I understand what he's saying. I think I understand it more than most. I think you as a Blue Jackets fan understand it more than most outside of this market because I, I think that he's just so vilified and people can't wait to attack him. I think if you listen to his entire message, it's not all the way that it's being portrayed to be, my opinion. Ryan Marchione, uh, what do you think the Max will or should do with – or well, try this again. I read it wrong. What do you think the team will or should do with Max Domi? I like what he brings to the team, and I would like to see him in a Blue Jackets jersey for a long time, but I don't see the financials working out to keep him here long term. Ryan, you're right about that. He's making $6 million. That's going to be uh, a lot of money. He's been great. Uh, he's coming off a two-goal performance in Seattle. That was awesome. Uh, I think he does bring a lot to the table, but is he going to bring enough to the table? And are you going to be able to afford him at the same time? Those are kind of two different questions. They're all rolled into one. They're both going to factor in, and I don't know. I would think, if you're asking me to speculate, and I will right now, if the Blue Jackets are in a playoff hunt, nothing will happen with Max Domi. If they're not in a playoff hunt, and there's a team looking for a skilled forward that they can get for very little money at the end of his contract here, then I think that the Blue Jackets would be interested in that depending upon the return. That's totally my speculation on the whole thing. And as you said, it, it becomes a numbers game. It becomes a salary cap game. The salary cap's going to be flat for a while here. So that is going to come into play as well with all of it. So the Blue Jackets are back on the ice tomorrow night here in Vancouver. We're in Vancouver where it rains all the time, so it seems. I've actually seen the sunshine here before, um, but I don't think I'm going to see it this trip. I really don't think I'm going to see it. Blue Jackets beat the Canucks back on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Back on Black Friday, they beat them on November 26th. 4-2 to was the final at Nationwide Arena. The Blue Jackets didn't play very well in that game. They all said that. They didn't play well, but they found a way to get the win. They're going to be looking to do the same thing tomorrow night. Game time is 7 o'clock 
Pacific time. That means, once again, it is a 10 o'clock face-off back in Columbus. Our pregame coverage will start at 9.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports Ohio. So that's what is on tap. Game two of this five-game road trip, the Blue Jackets and the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow night. Again, the puck will drop at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for all your questions today. They are appreciated as always, and you can always get your question to me. Don't forget, in one of two ways, either go through Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports, or you can record a vest, uh, a vest, a vest, record a vest. You can't do that. You can record a voice memo or a, a video on your phone and just send it to me via email, Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C, at bluejackets.com. All right? There's all the information you need. Tomorrow night, I will be with you from Vancouver as the Blue Jackets conclude their season series with the Canucks. That'll do it for today's Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.